Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, my name is Mike Goldman and welcome to On The Mic. If you haven't followed us already, go to YouTube forward slash On The Mic or Facebook On The Mic. Hey, you can listen as well, you know. You can listen on Spotify and iTunes. Or if you like this show, go to our Patreon page. You get a little bit of extra content there and you can make a cheeky donation. It can be a dollar or if you're married to a wealthy Arab oil billionaire, hey, donate a little bit more. Patreon.com forward slash on the mic. Now, my guest today, three things, three facts about her. She is the political editor of the Daily Telegraph here in Australia. She's won Walkley Awards. She was a cheerleader at university and she once bought a homeless man a whole stack of new clothes. His name was Michael. Her name is Shari Markson and welcome to On The Mic. How fun. Thanks for having me here, Hello. Mike. Oh, I'm so what excited. What an introduction as well. So excited <laughs> to have you here. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. Been following your awesome career for a while, winning awards and uh, you know sticking... Sticks of dynamite up politicians' asses and exploding them. Well, apparently that's what Bill Shorten <laughs> said. You were the dynamite in the government's ass. Well, well, I think that was Kevin Rudd when when he was prime minister about a oh, decade ruddy. a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, um, he probably said it in Chinese too, so you wouldn't be able to write about it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, no, I think Bill Shorten's uh, you know dreading if if he gets into government, which is looking likely at this point. Really, in I, a I, year's I saw time. a poll today. It looked like uh, he dropped a fair bit, probably because of uh, the last few headlines on the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, possibly. Look, yeah, the, the government has bounced in the polls today. Turnbull's preferred prime minister rating is up off, yeah. off the back of a positive budget, which is very rare. Well, it's his money well spent, isn't it? It, it is. It's been a long time <laughs> since people, you know, actually changed their votes because of a budget. But uh, that just shows how popular this budget was. And they made Ooh. no tricky decisions. You know, it was just all tax cuts and uh, nothing negative. Well, of course, anyone anywhere in the world is happy when a government makes tax cuts. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, governments all over the world, Hillary Clinton tried yes. to be the president of the USA, first female president of the USA. You are hanging out with her last week, sort We of. did. We went and saw her on, on Friday night along with thousands of other people in Sydney. But look, I think she hasn't quite let go of uh, her election loss yet. There was still a lot of resentment yeah, uh, really. towards Trump, uh, towards Russia, yeah, about wow. and towards, you know, social media companies like yeah. Facebook and the traditional media. Um, she, she gave a bit of blame to all of them mm. for... Did she blame herself sort at all? Of, look, she she didn't discuss that publicly. <laughs> I'm sure she would have. So her own nothing to do with her regrets. at all. Nothing, nothing to do with the fact that she wasn't healthy. Nothing to do with with all of these horrible you things you see floating around the internet, which she could probably call fake news, like the yeah. Clinton death list and Bill Clinton's a rapist and all the horrible things that she's apparently done. Yeah. I, I don't know what to believe anymore because there's so much crap there's out there so online about fake. Hillary Clinton. What's true and what's not? That's absolutely. There's so much fake news. I think that death list is extraordinary. You read the yeah. conspiracy theories about it. And yeah. God, it's it's pretty insane. You can go down a, a rabbit hole with the Clintons in a big way. Yeah. I mean, even even in Australia, we gave them like $13 million or something when she came out here when she was Secretary of State. We're supposed to go to Haiti and the Clinton Foundation. They apparently can't go to Haiti, the Clintons, because they'll get murdered. This is what I'm reading. Wow. Is this true? Is this fake news? <laughs> is this another fake news channel? I don't know the exact figures, but we do give millions and millions in aid funding to the Clinton Foundation. Still. Uh, we still do, yeah, which wow. is um, which has come under 
under a lot of criticism and, mm. and Julie Bishop as foreign ministers had to defend that. But look, yeah, she, she did. She blamed the traditional media for failing to hold Trump to account properly. Yeah. She blamed uh, the Russians for their interference. And obviously the, the investigation into that is still going on in the US. Like like the, uh, the US government's never interfered in any other government anywhere around the world or even the Australian government for that yeah, matter. Well, well this, you know? this is pr- pretty blatant though. Yeah. You know, Russia had agents um, in the US mm. that were, you know, creating fake news and, and disseminating yeah. it. Like it was pretty strong. So they wanted and Trump to win. Because they, they thought Trump was just fuck up and they thought this would be great to watch. Well, yeah, this mean, will make it hard for America to get ahead. Well, I think even Trump and his family were shocked when he won. Like it was just such a global <laughs> I think he upset. was shocked. He well, was. He was pretty yeah. cocky all the way, making out like he thought he'd win. But on the election night, do you remember when he walked out there to give his victory speech? Yeah. You know, you could just see he was he was shell shocked. Yeah, know? like a deer and, in and the it headlights. came out in uh, Michael Wolff's book as well. I yeah. mean, you can't believe everything in That's that book. That's a crock of shit. But... I mean, I flicked through a few pages of that and, and I read a lot of online articles about some of yeah. the things that that guy was saying yeah saying he was hanging out in in the oval office of the white house and he heard all that stuff and trump said he never remembered him being invited in there so he had some amazing access and there were dinners he had at his house with some of you know um steve bannon and some of trump's key players so he Mm. did have incredible access but what made me query it a lot was when um he did that interview on the today show with ben fordham and ben started asking him a tricky question about you know whether he'd like to apologize to trump and michael (laughs) wolf started going oh i'm not sure i can hear this one oh i think i'm losing the volume i can't hear it and then suddenly he he got up and left the set and Ben Fordham then played the audio of what um, Michael Wolf was receiving and he could hear it perfectly. He could hear everything. So you think if he can lie in that context then it does, you know, Tell you what, he's made a lot of money though, hasn't he? Like that book sold a lot of copies. Uh, amazing read. There would be a lot in it that, that is true. You know, it's mm. just a matter of taking it with a pinch of salt. But um, God, bestseller right around the world, mm. you know, really. And, and hopefully there'll be more journalists who go behind the scenes of mm. the White House to yeah. report on what's going on, because this is the most fascinating presidency, yeah. uh, you know, we've ever had. I mean, yeah. no, every morning you kind of get a shock with what <laughs> the president has tweeted overnight. Like yeah. last night, it was about getting more jobs for, for Chinese companies, yeah. uh, which is a change in tune for him so it's, it's quite remarkable don't, don't you think it's good though that he he doesn't go through the usual government channels and he just goes i'm thinking of doing this i'm going to tell the american people straight away so you know that you have that direct contact with you know the head of the chopping block and i think a lot of americans and a lot of australians if someone came along and yeah. just didn't crap on with the usual political rhetoric that we have to put up with and just said it like it was i mean you must get so frustrated when you're speaking to politicians and they, they can't give you a proper answer. You just want a yes or a no, yep. or you want a definite action at what they're going to take. And, oh, well, I'm going to have to talk to my constituents and we have done this. And then all of a sudden they're talking about something that has nothing to do with the question that you've just given them. Yeah, but look, politicians are the hardest people to interview yeah. because they, every morning, I don't know if you know this, but every morning uh, the Prime Minister's office sends out talking points on any particular topic. Yeah. So any politician that yeah. day, they have to stick to those talking points. It's ridiculous. Those messages. Can so we you- do an example of that right now? <laughs> yeah, okay, let's, let's pretend your, your talking point is education and I'm asking you about defence. So... Okay. Um, uh, is there any reason why we're spending so much on our defence budget and will it be more than a billion dollars this year? Look, it all comes down to putting children through school to make <laughs> to making sure they have good literacy and numeracy uh, wait, levels wait, 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 when wait, they wait, go wait, out into the workforce. <laughs> Am I going crazy? <laughs> that, it, it seriously it, must must mess with your but head. You, I mean, you can listen to it. You know, you can hear it yourself when you watch, you know, Lee yeah. Sales trying to interview someone and she'll go, look, I'm going to ask you this for the third time and then she just has to yeah. let it go because how many times can you but, repeat but the general- 
general public aren't that stupid. They see that. They see a journalist asking a question and they want an answer. And if they see a politician just beat around the bush like that, they think that politician just thinks that we're all idiots. Well, they only see it for television and radio interviews. I mean, I'm a newspaper journalist. um, and And so, you know, the public don't see that. So you could be asking questions of someone for months and yeah. months and you don't get an answer yeah. and it, it's incredibly frustrating but um you know i think the power of the pen wins out ultimately yeah, well, I'm, the next book i'm looking forward to is from a well-respected journalist by the name of stormy daniels and i believe she's <laughs> she's doing a book tour uh, in australia in did the you see her comedy months. skit the other night oh uh, yeah on uh, saturday night live yeah it was hilarious yeah, what, what the hell how, how is how is this happening like trump had a had a nookie behind his wife's back and he's it looks like he's paid her off to shut up. And she's going, yeah. you know what? I'm going to have too much fun by being on Saturday Night Live and becoming an international celebrity yeah. and maybe helping my porn career a little bit more. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable. And it looks like there's a couple of women. These stories started to come out during the election campaign. Mm. Um, actually, the Wall Street Journal, yeah. you know, which isn't into celebrity gossip or that sort of news. It, it's a very respectable um, news cop publication. Yeah. It uh, did some of the initial reporting on it and then um, a bloke called I think it's Rowan Farrow he's um, Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's son oh, yeah, he, yeah. he really has lifted the lid on this whole story and it, it looks like there's a couple of women who yeah Trump has paid off to keep quiet about affairs while he was with Melania and, and how much she just doesn't look like she's loving this job at the she moment does she hates it you never see her with a smile on her face I, did you see when he was uh, getting off the presidential chopper and he went to hold hands with her and she yeah. smacked his hand out of yeah, the way yeah. the, the fights that they must have we're going we're to see a movie in a few years time oh. but, but the, for the real Trump fans yeah. uh, a lot of people are saying a lot, of, a lot of real Trump fans, they're, they're harping on about this being the best president ever, saying the, the economy's up, people in America are yep. spending, uh, unemployment is down, and there's, there's so many good things going for Trump, even though there's you know so many bad things personality-wise, he could be the best president. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> I mean, and this isn't just his fans. This is uh, President Moon from South Korea saying, you know, he could, he could get the Nobel Peace Prize yeah. because he's helped broker a peace deal between North and North South and Korea. South I mean, Korea, we, yeah. it's, it's been... Um, um, you know, his great-grandfather and his own dad haven't stepped foot in South Korea in their whole lives, yeah. Look, let alone this, for it to happen now. This is what makes the Trump presidency, I think, so difficult and almost impossible for the media to cover. cover. Because on the one hand, you do have this very sexist, clearly sexist, yeah. um, objectionable character who who is, you know, has, has has said to female journalists when they've yeah. put hard questions to them, you know, Megan Kelly, he said, oh, you must be on your period. You know, oh, it's, it's... It's pretty messed up. You know, it, it's really a very sexist character who's, yeah. who's you know, pays off, uh, has affairs on his wife with, you know, porn stars, pays them off, objectionable. Yeah. On the other... And, and, and also very... Um, uh, impestuous and emotional and yeah. you know tweets immediately this Twitter diplomacy but then on the other hand there is a strong argument that he has uh, yes the negotiations with North Korea and South yeah. Korea although you know we don't know where they'll end up yet mm-hmm. um, look trade f- not great for the rest of the world but from America's perspective uh, scrapping the TPP deals that have had unfair terms yeah. you know it has been good for the u.s economy and um, already some of the car companies like chrysler are coming yeah. back in um yeah you mentioned uh what was the other thing you mentioned um i don't know I oh the economy the economy <laughs> the economy um yeah. you know he introduced tax cuts we can't get business tax cuts through in australia yeah, right. and 
And so the markets responded really well to that, and that will encourage jobs jobs growth as well. Um, also pulling out of the Iran deal. Yeah, what's the go with the Iran deal? I mean, it was a shit deal anyway. I mean, Kerry and Obama looked like, from, from what I could see, just try to put it through for their legacy. And there were certain terms in this Iran deal, like... They weren't allowed to look at military, military installations sites, yeah. and weren't allowed to look in certain warehouses. That's, yeah. that's like the police saying to a drug dealer, can we search your house but not look in the fridge? Yeah. Look, I guess it depends which way you look at it. On, on the one hand, it's better to be at least negotiating with Iran and have a presence there to try and keep them in check. On the other hand, you're right, they weren't allowed to inspect military sites. So. Right. It you know wasn't a proper inspection deal, and we know that there's a very close relationship between Iran and North Korea in terms of sharing of technology for the development of nuclear weapons. So, yeah. it, look, it's I don't Is know. Is it going what the, to throw a wedge between that deal when you know Trump has the meeting? I think the meeting in uh, in Singapore. It's it's soon. I'm not yeah. sure exact date, but real it's, soon. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to come of that? But. Yeah. I mean, all, all the knockers that were saying, you know, there's no way in the world it's going to work with Trump and North Korea, you know, he's going to cause World yeah. War Three. Those same people, even though the deal's been being done, are saying the same thing about Iran. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's just the way he handles those kind of deals. He goes in saying, I don't give a stuff, it's my way or the highway. And then he goes, you know what, okay, let's have a talk. It's a very interesting negotiating tactic. And Hillary Clinton actually was asked about it by Julie Gillard on Friday night. And she said that that sort of unpredictability can work, but you've got to be very careful with it. But yeah, look, it seems to be working because there is this sense that he could just, you know, launch military strikes whenever he wants, which which he has which he has done. I mean, he did in Afghanistan and he yeah. did in Syria yeah. uh, when um, Bashar al-Assad used chemical weapons on his civilians. So mm. he has shown that he can use force, um, you know, without uh, very quickly. He makes quick decisions about that. So perhaps mm. it will work. I mean, the Israel decision is another one that's been very controversial and, and we'll see, we have to see how that will play out, you know, moving the embassy to Jerusalem and that's yeah. happening. Well, I, I, I love, Trump was talking the other day about how he got a bill for a billion dollars for the new embassy. And then he made a few phone calls and he got it for 150 grand. Amazing. <laughs> like, what the hell? Amazing. So, but it, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he still guess, hasn't built the wall yet. That's it, his, his constituency wants to see that but happen. Did you see he had like a setup of, uh, it looked like an Ikea for walls. And, <laughs> and it, it was like there's 20 walls, like different yeah. walls. And he had a tour and he was just like checking them out and deciding Hilarious. which walls that he wanted to put up. The, the thing with a wall is, I mean, it's, it's a massive border there. And yeah. They, they, they physically can't do it over some of those mountain ranges. So and the it's, it's just a thing to and, make people feel yeah. comfortable and secure about their country. Yeah, and there's tunnels and plains as well. So it's, you know, it was it was just a great line. But I think people it, people who voted for him genuinely want there to be a wall. So I think he's going to have to build something. Mm. Otherwise, it'll be a, a huge broken promise. So if you ever got to interview Donald Trump, what was, what would be the first thing you'd ask him? And, and what, well, what direction would you go in the interview? Well, I've been in two press conferences with him. Oh, yeah, so you um, fired off a couple of questions. So, so yelled some questions at him, but the problem is that, you know, you, you're there with um, the US press gallery, the White House press gallery as well, and then some key people from the Australian press gallery. So everyone's kind of firing the questions at the same time, and it's just this wall of noise. So he, yeah. didn't, he didn't answer anything. That was One was at APEC in November, and then the other one in, in the Philippines, and then about a year ago in New York when Turnbull first went over mm-hmm. uh, to to meet with him what's it like being in that room in the white house you know trying to ask all those questions in that 
a barrage of your political commentators and journalists? Is, yeah. is it like just a media scrum and you have to just elbow yeah. people out of the way to get no, your question in? It is intense. So you have to line up outside the room first and they set up Turnbull and Trump. They set them up in, you know, nice armchairs next to each other to yeah. have the nice photo opportunity. And then they open the doors and it's just like this rush. <laughs> and, if, yeah. and everyone's, yeah, they are. I literally had to squish my way to the front because if you're not at the front and you're yeah. like my height, you're not going to get a question Bite people in. on the leg. Do you, do you elbow anyone or push anyone? I just, just kind of rush through. I don't know about pushing them. But they're all like big camera blokes. You know, I'm, I'm kind of short and female. So, yeah, you just got to get in there and go. The American media were quite aggressive though. Even yeah. though they cover him all the time, I don't know why they'd be so excited to cover a Turnbull and Trump press conference. But they well, try I, mean, and... I guess they're probably selling it to other media outlets back in Australia. Uh, no, they're, no, they're covering it for their own, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, all that sort of, those New York Times, those, mm. um, but they try and get other questions in there when it comes to the press conference. You know, they don't care about the Australia relationship. They want to ask him about the latest scandal. So you've had a few awards. You, you've uh, a Walkley Award, uh, nominated for a hell of a lot of other awards as well. I, I could probably list them off right Thank now. Uh, incredible no headlines like just this week, uh, I think Bill Shorten with egg on his face. Yeah, that was uh, about the citizenship crisis because he told us for months none of his yeah. MPs had problems and then suddenly five of them were out out for being dual citizens. So oh, we, I love that. It's hilarious. It's on the screen right now. So we put egg on his face. What, what, yeah. are, some, what are some other uh, headlines? You've, you've gone a little bit more full on over the last year. I think they've, they're letting you have more of a say as to what you put on the front page of the paper and that's probably why the readership's gone up in Australia for the Daily Telegraph. I don't know about that. Some people attribute it to you. I know your mum does. (laughs) My mum's very sweet. No, the Daily Telly's awesome. We have great stories every day whether they politics or in other areas but yeah, we do cover federal politics a lot. Um, Obviously, I had the Barnaby Joy story in February which which was very big and and the rest of the... Yeah, so for those people who don't know, we have this politician in Australia who's all about family values and uh, you yeah. know, quite religious and you know he's a country bloke and he's also down to earth, but it turns out he was buffing his secretary and <laughs> she was up the duff. If you don't know what buffing or up the duff means, he stooped <laughs> her, She's, she got pregnant. They and, just had a baby as well. She, but it turns out, was it, is it his? Well, he now says it was his, yeah. But yeah. there was a while there where he said, oh, I don't think it's mine. It was very odd. So he initially said it was, yeah. and then he went, oh, it's, paternity's a bit of a gray area. And now he said that, you know, the timing of the birth has erased any doubts in his mind. So, so you broke the story. Bizarre. And were you, were you, you know, feeling like maybe uh, I should leave this alone at any stage? No, Ma- no, yeah, no, no. You thought this is the best story ever? Or? What about the best story ever? But I thought it was, as you say, you know, um Because you copped Joyce, a lot of flack. A lot. He was the, he was the deputy prime minister. Uh, he had fought very hard against same sex marriage in Australia. Yeah. Um, had fought even against the Gardasil cancer vaccine because yeah. he said that that might make women more promiscuous. You know, as you say, very strong Catholic social <laughs> family values. So we we at the telly thought it was relevant that yeah. he was not only had had an affair with his media advisor but mm. had got her pregnant. Uh, and yes, but but look, um, he had four daughters grown-up daughters and um, late teens and early 20s and he was married for 24 years so this broke apart the entire marriage and and now he they've just had a baby so they seem very happy together we um photographed until the next media advisor comes along (laughs) well i don't know let's hope not let's hope this is the last one so does he see you in the media scrum at parliament house and does he give you evil looks or we kind of say no awkward hi if we walk past each Uh, other awkward hi (laughs) (laughs) yeah he still says hi if we walk past each other in parliament house because it's kind of a small place and when when parliament's sitting you're all in there together you know the press gallery is based there, all the journos, all the yeah. politicians. So It's a very cutthroat 
crossroad industry. My uh, stepdad, who's not around anymore, David Joel, he was a federal member of parliament for 30 years. Yeah. And uh, he was the head overseer for ASIO. He was wow. uh, running tourism, aviation. Uh, he he uh, was credited for wrapping up the Department of Administrative Services and, uh, and, and, and making it save a lot of money and outsourcing a lot of the government's jobs. But uh, John Howard was a complete prick to him and ended up blaming him for a lot of stuff that uh, other politicians Was he in, in the Liberal team? Yeah, 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 in the Liberal team, yeah. That would have, his, his role as, you know, doing oversight of ASIO would have been fascinating. Oh, yeah. If he had one too many Bundy rums on a Saturday night, yeah. some of the stuff that he would tell me, and I can say this because he's not around anymore, yeah. like they, they have this laser that they could fire through a window um, just off a, off a gun site and they could listen to what was actually going on. You know, in uh, the James Bond movie, Quantum yeah. of Solace, he actually does that. But wow. he told me about that in the 90s. And he said even even back in the uh, early 90s, late 80s, you, they could read a street sign from space. That is and, and a lot of the technology that, that uh, ASIO use for spying yeah. is apparently just stuff that they put together from Tandy. That is incredible. I've read, I've read some of the, not all of them, but some of the volumes of ASIO. Mm. And it, it was quite a bungled organization initially and they didn't know how to handle yeah. the onslaught of, of Russian spies here during the Cold War. Yeah. And then they, they managed to get their act together. Have but you heard about their uh, program called Dictionary? No. This is something I wasn't supposed to know either. Yeah. So, because um, we have the five eyes. So yep. it's, it's the, all these uh, governments. Canada, New Zealand, yeah. United States, Australia. And they basically, it's an agreement yeah. to share information. And uh, one of the programs that was developed in the UK, UK. and Australia was uh, called Dictionary. Yeah. And, and back when everyone was using faxes, it scanned faxes, it scanned phone calls, it scanned every every sort of communication that we had in this country and, and other countries wherever they could. And it would pick out words like bomb and terrorist and jihad. And, and they'd have rooms yeah. full of people that just sit there and just listen to these calls and bing, got one. And they have to go to the front of the class and then everyone would listen to it. Wow. Like... It, like I, I probably get this taken down off YouTube for saying that, but <laughs> but that technology is probably yeah. updated now, and it just oh, automatically totally. picks up the chatter and scanning but, your brain. Right well, now, I wish they I wish they were doing <laughs> that. But the problem is, um, which is why they haven't picked up on some of the terror plots, yeah. as why Australian author- intelligence agencies haven't, yeah. because all the terrorists are now using encrypted apps. So they're not they're not yeah. te- same with criminals. They're not texting mm. or using phone calls, and it's it's almost impossible to yeah. c- crack those encrypted like, apps. Like WhatsApp, apparently, you can hack into. That's a Facebook owned app as well. I yeah. Think. Uh, but the Russians apparently use Telegram. Yeah, Telegram's big, and there's another one called Signal that's big. What do you use? I use all of them because yeah, different contact, so contacts annoying. are got, on all got, of them. I know. People send you a message and it comes up on your notifications. And, and you've you got go, to work out, check it, them all. Was yeah. it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Pinterest? Where the fuck did that message come from? It's so annoying. But what I was getting to about um, you know, Dictionary. My, my stepdad working it, yeah. in, uh, in politics for so long. And, and yeah, this is some crazy shit that he told mm. me over the years. But um, being a journalist and, and interviewing politicians, like I see you on, on Q&A and and uh, you know, morning show and all these different mm. um, t- today show or whatever, and you cop a lot of flack from other journalists and uh, and 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 like a lot of people on Twitter as well might troll you a little bit more often than your average person because you're saying things that uh, that can be quite polarizing and, and opinionated. How do you deal with all of that shit that you have to go through? Well, look, when it comes to the actual politics i try to be extremely objective and fair to both sides um because i think that's really important you know in this age where there's so much bias and fake Mm. news you know you just want people to be able to get the facts of what's going on 
um, but then explaining the story in an entertaining way. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, when it comes to what we've decided to publish, you know, I guess there was a lot of criticism over, say, the Barnaby Joy story yeah. because it wasn't something that has um, usually been covered in the press gallery. Uh, Laurie Oakes, you know, exposed uh, Gareth Evans and Cheryl Kernow's affair, but kind of after a period of six or seven years and only... Um, after you know it, it wasn't told properly in a book and so I guess it's kind of that gray area um and, and social media is just are you on Twitter yeah yeah it's just it, it, some it's of the things that people say it's a mess you, there <laughs> you, 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 you just say something nice to someone and there's always someone will pop up and say wanker yeah. or you know good head mate or whatever I like this, people are just ridiculous yeah. the things they say. I've Why just got a blocking troll policy I've, I've, and you can see how many people you've blocked if you go yeah, into the how settings. many you've blocked? blocked about 800 people <laughs> so I just think you don't you shouldn't have to see when this you get to a thousand you throw a party <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and invite them all <laughs> I just think you shouldn't have to see the abuse every day mm. um, but you know you shouldn't have to get off Twitter either like mm. some people have some journals just or, or you know others just go off social media mm. but I don't reckon that's the answer how is it being a woman journalist as opposed to being a man are, are we uh, do we have the equality thing sorted out now is, yeah. are you all getting paid the same yeah. or? Um, look it feels completely the same to me I don't feel any you know sexism or anything different because I'm a woman I, I, I don't know how what about the pay difference I mean you never really speak about your pay with your colleagues yeah. or your rivals so I have no idea, but look, I think it's pretty good in the media industry. There's a lot of a lot of female political journalists um, around and have been around for a long time. So yeah. I think we're. But think what, we're what do you think of the uh, the gender pay gap thing? Is is that is that an generally thing? speaking that it is and yeah. it is terrible. And you just have to look at the statistics. They're published online by the you know I think it's the Office of Women Department, um, and it's it's been about seventeen percent. Mm. And the problem is that there's a lot of women in the more junior levels. And then they go off to have children and then companies don't... That brings re- the averages down. Yeah. yeah, because companies don't then re-employ them at a senior level and, mm. the, and the men get ahead. And I think there's also a problem where men in senior positions, when they're choosing you know, to hire people, maybe they're, they're vice president or their deputy or they're used to hiring people who kind of look like them and act like them yeah. as opposed to... It's changing though, yeah? Look, I don't think the gender pay gap's improved mm. broadly, not in the media, but broadly. I, mm. I don't think that is getting well, better. Can you explain that? Because, it, I mean, it is illegal to, you know, for a nurse, for example, to hire yeah. a woman nurse and a man nurse and go, he's a man, we're going to pay him more. Yeah. Uh, but where, where is the gender pay gap happening? What industries is it happening more in? It's it's a lot of companies. It's finance. It's, um, it's const- yeah, finance, construction, property, just a- any kind of So if you said finance, corporate- construction and property, so in finance, like... Any is it Gail role. or whatever her name is, the head of Westpac? I mean, she's obviously been paid by was, yeah. more. Well, she was, but yeah. she would have been paid more than everyone there because she yeah. knew the job better and did better than everyone. So. But just look at any company, pretty much, and think of its top structure, and it's mostly men. Yeah, you know, it's it's just we can name on you know two hands the number of female CEOs in this country. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mentioned Gail. That was she's probably not even, doesn't even do the job anymore. Yeah, no. Is she it doesn't. the CEO of Google? That's a woman, isn't it? I she she just left. It was May Carnegie, yeah, and now right. she's gone off to head Ram uh, Finance, Ram's finance company. Well, what's the answer? How, how do how do we address the problem? Just keep reporting on it and, and hope that, that attitudes I th- change. No, I think it won't change until there's um, equal parenting. Until it's just as normal for a right. man to take yeah. paternity leave as yeah. for a woman because that's where the problem is yeah. because the women yeah as I said before they get out and then they don't come back in at a senior level mm. so unless it's 
unless you know women can continue their career and some men stay at home yeah some countries they actually give the husband and the wife if they're having a kid six months off and they i think it was holland or somewhere like yeah. that i mean i'm not sure but so we maybe yeah. we need to adjust the uh the policies with our government so we, we can let yeah. the man stay at home and and get paid as well. Yeah, a lot of companies in Australia mm. only offer maternity leave and not paternity leave. But mm. it's also social expectations. I mean, you must know amongst your friends, I mean, like speaking seriously, yeah. you wouldn't have a lot of male friends who would be happy to go, oh yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad and, and let their wife well, go it, to Actually, work. you know what? In the voiceover industry, yeah. most of them are bludgers and they do most, <laughs> they, because of technology, they can do yeah. their work from home. And, and I think that's happening more okay. and more in this day and age where people can get on Skype and have a phone call with their boss, a Skype yeah. call with their boss and, and do their work from home and look after the kid as well. So in my line of work, but uh, I, I do have a lot of friends who would be like, yeah, right, there's no way that I could do that because they're the main breadwinner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, recently uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, there's a big hashtag Me Too protest. Do you think the whole uh, hashtag Me Too thing is going a little bit too far or uh, do we need to be even bigger on it? I think it's been a really positive movement. I think it has been quite lacklustre in Australia. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a few um, TV reporters that are going around doing doing the show around Australia, female TV reporters, um, who who have I went I think it was Jessica Rowe or someone like that you know saying it hasn't hasn't gone far enough. Yeah, I don't look. I really don't think it has in Australia, and I've done some uh, kind of background work in this area that, that I haven't published it or anything. And I I know that speaking to women who have had experiences, they are just they won't come forward. They just won't. Australian women. So I think you know was in it, the, the States, fear of never being able to get hired again. They won't. Yeah, they're worried about future employment and also they just they, they're not empowered here like they have been in the state so we have such a long way to go there are so many women in australia who've had problems um but you know you you try and get them to speak and they won't and it's it's really frustrating because it, it makes as a hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From a journalist's perspective, trying to tell the story makes it impossible for those yeah. stories to be told. Uh, so, you yeah, ever it had to deal with that? Well, yeah. As I said, I've been working on on a, on something that hasn't been published. Oh, so yet. this is actually about you, this story. No, not about me. Nothing's happened through. to me. No, no, nothing. Oh, yeah. been, as in, I've been trying to co- encourage other women to coax other women to tell their stories. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, there's just this refusal to go public, to refusal to speak about it, even though it's been mm. so traumatic for them. Yeah. So I think that that sense of empowerment hasn't come here yet, mm. like you know, the way it has hit Hollywood. Mm. And it's also, hit Hollywood in a big way that it hasn't. Massive. And the I casting couches dead yeah well hopefully but i think the other problem with the movement is it's been very elitist you know it's it's been to celebrities what's happened to celebrities that it hasn't gone into regular workplaces to help regular women yeah so like the average like a girl working in a hospital or something like that exactly and you know hassled by a doctor you know they'll they'll just deal with it internally Whereas, yeah. you know, a, maybe a big newspaper is not going to want to write a front page story about it, as, whereas they would a politician. 
yeah, I mean, we might do a story in it, but, you know, you don't really hear those stories, whereas a celebrity just has to put it up on their Instagram mm. or Twitter and the whole world knows about it. But yeah. What are you scared about in the world today? I mean, you're someone who, you know, you're the political editor of the uh, the Daily Telegraph. Um, you, you, you know, you're interviewing some of the, the biggest political minds in the world. What freaks you out? Is it North Korea? Is it Russia? Is it Donald Trump? Is it... You know the hashtag Me Too, the gender pay gap. What, what is you, what is something very, that you, when you wake up in the morning you think yeah. you, oh, this really needs a story? We need to work on this more. It's a very good question and hard to come up with an on the spot answer to it. But I can give you a couple of my early thoughts. Yeah. I think um, I think democracy is is a big issue, um, both in terms of kind of influence of the political process from, from lobbyists. Oh well, yes, there's lobbyists, yeah. but also from you know. Russia and China, China's been the case in Australia, but yeah. also with democracy, equally important is the fact that people don't want to pay for news anymore. You know, they're used to getting their news online for free. Yeah. They aren't buying newspapers as much as they used to. Mm. And so there are fewer and fewer investigative journalists at each publication. Mm. And that's over time will be a serious hit to democracy. And it's not just that. I think it's the younger generation aren't interested in news. They, they, think, they think news is, you know, the photo their friend put up on the weekend on yeah. Instagram. Mm. Like, so they just are becoming so insular and selfish. Where are the new politicians going to come from? Self-obsessed, yeah. And they, well, they're just not interested in the world around them. I think it's that's a huge problem. It's all been done for problem. them. Yeah. Well, maybe they've got nothing left to fight for, but, mm. you know, they, they shouldn't be so inward looking. You know, what's happening in the world is important. So I think that threat to democracy through the various things, you know, coverage of news, journalism mm. and foreign agents. Also, terrorism is still a worry. Like, I yeah. don't know about you, but um, we are very trusting in Australia. Yep. That that last terror plot, you know, on the... Um, was it Etihad or Emirates? I've just forgotten the second. The uh, flight to the I'm Middle not sure. East. Yeah, one, one of the Arabian of Airlines. We were not going to pick that up. That was only detected because of uh, Israeli intelligence, you know, based in the Middle East. What? It, it was so close to being, and, and I've, I've had most the most senior um, counterintelligence and police officials tell me this. It was so close to being our version of 9/11, where a plane went down with 300 people. It was so close. We would not have detected it. The Five Eyes intelligence, ha US hadn't. It was how Israeli did, how does intelligence. How it go under the radar something like that? Because as I say, they're using encrypted apps. You can't, you can't pick up that, that chatter. And, and, and they're not necessarily always talking on apps or email or whatever. They just have their meetings, their secret meetings in yeah. wherever they might do it. If it's a, a dodgy mosque or whatever. There's that as well. So I think terrorism is... A concern. I mean, they say the threat level at the moment is probable. That means there's probably going to be probably an something going to happen. And Just you, probably, we're yeah. not sure. And you go to bigger, you know, football or music or you know, speaking yeah. gigs where there's thousands and thousands and thousands totally. of people, and you just It'd look be at easy the security. For them to sneak in and it's, do something there. It's, it's. I think that's frightening as well. What I worry about is the actual terrorist attacks that they have foiled that they haven't told us about, and I'm sure there will be so many. Do you think? I don't know. I think in Australia do they, they have like to put to, out a press release though. They don't have to, but I think they like to boast about, um, you know, how good they've been in foiling an attack. So I think, genuinely speaking, they they do tell us about them, but. But I could be wrong. There might be some we don't know about. Yeah. So uh, there are things that definitely you would worry about. And you do report what on yeah. so well. Thank you. What worries you? Well, I tend to get in these little YouTube rabbit holes. Yeah. And I'll 
might be looking at a video of a, a guy, you know, with a, with a snake and that's not what you think. And, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at snakes for hours and how they can poison you and everything like that. And then a friend of mine might say to me, oh, Hillary Clinton, you know, she's, re- she's really evil. You know, you yeah. should see what, what they did in Haiti. They took all the money. The Clinton Foundation's horrible. And all of a sudden I realized they got a death list. Bill Clinton's got an illegitimate son uh, and all this crazy shit. And uh, I, I worry about what, what you're saying as well. We don't have enough reputable news services and the people who are following all these little news services that could be set up by Russia or China or and, and, and funded by you know George Soros or these horrible globalist organizations who are only they have a vested interest in what is reported mm. can uh, can it just makes the world a scary place yeah um, there's, there's people like uh, you know Alex Jones and Tommy Robinson and all, all these other online journalists who are getting massive followings mm. um, I, I do like the way that they uh, they get up and they just talk they, they'll study a subject and they'll just shoot off at the mouth for about half an hour and you know yeah. there might be some truth in it and some of it might be just their their right-wing impression of the world um, but it can be influential. Yeah. Influential. Has, has the Daily Telegraph changed the way that they report since all the fake news thing happened with CNN? No, no, it hasn't. We have, I mean, we have a very clear demarcation between, you know, news stories and, mm. and news copy and then the opinion pages where you might have, you know, both left and right columnists. So um, like a newspaper like The Australian, like I, I consider that pretty left. <laughs> That's a joke, right? <laughs> the 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 Oz positions itself is centre right, but um, obviously its its opinion pages yeah, okay. are more right. Opinion pages more right, yeah. conservative, but it, its news coverage again, mm. you know, is 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 straight but centre right. Um, and then of course on the other spectrum, the Guardian, the Herald has moved a lot further to the left. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you must speak to people. They always they say the Herald used to be a very credible yeah. Pa- important paper that you couldn't not read every day and, and now it's kind of bec- it's positioned itself to be in the same space as the guardian mm. and i think that's hasn't been a good move for them commercially i think they would have been better to stay in the middle is cnn still fake news i don't, I don't think cnn i watch a bit of cnn i watch ever? a bit of fox it- i watch both <laughs> You got you got to know what everyone's saying on yeah. both sides of the. Well, it's, it's why I, I have a, uh, a folder on my uh, on my laptop, and it's like like twenty different news services from the Daily Telegraph, the Australian, the Herald, and yeah. then it's got Alex Jones. It's got all these other you know crazy conspiracy theorists, and which I love. I mean, I get so so deep into these conspiracy theories, like really? like I was telling you before, everything from you know nine eleven to you know five G. I mean, there's there's thousands of websites and people reporting out there that five G is a way to disrupt our bodies and give us cancer and all this horrible wow. stuff that's going to happen. And, and, so, and sometimes I think, well, where's this coming from? Why are people writing all this stuff? Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I just I just like to, to we need a study fact it all and look at it all. Yeah, I mean, there are fact checkers. For like all of those Snopes, claims? that website. Like you okay. go, I always go, okay, my dad's just put something on his Facebook page, which looks like a crock of shit. Look on this page, it's fake. And he just put it in the comments, say, Dad, you better take this down. <laughs> but and like, who runs that site? Yeah. Is, is that someone who wants that fake news to get out there? Yeah. If it, is, if it isn't, or is it someone who knows it's true that, that pays this site that's a fact checker? It's a problem. There's too many agendas around. You, you just want, that's why, you know, straight reporting is so important, but mm. people need to get into the habit of paying for news. Otherwise, yeah. they just. 
Well, the Daily Telegraph ever have like its own show, like a Sky News? Because I mean, I worked at radio for a long time, and I've seen you know radio stations now sort of you know transporting a lot of their shows and their information, and now it's like they get chat shows on online. Yeah, and uh, and televisions, you know, going across to um, you know write a lot more on on their social media and you know putting out their stories. Yeah, Nine MSN, for example. Um, do you ever see the uh, the Daily Telegraph News Limited you know, heading more into those areas, yeah. or have you just well, got News your space? Corp, well, News Corp has um, bought Sky, so you know it's a good idea. Maybe I can suggest it to our Wait, bosses. Why don't you have your own show? <laughs> is exactly what I was trying to say. Um, but but the Daily yeah, Telegraph we've we've just started. Answer the question. <laughs> but um, Miranda Devine, who's a columnist, a conservative yeah. columnist at the Daily Telegraph, she started her own radio show yeah, off, cool. off our website and and podcast. Oh, nice. So that's Monday, Tuesday, when Wednesday. Starting. What are you doing? I, do you know how? No time. Do you, there is no time. Do you, you know how long it takes it to investigate and report stories? It is not. You yeah. haven't written anything out for you. <laughs> You're just used to used to speaking. No, it takes a long time to stand stories up and then to write them. You know, it's it's a. There's not enough time for all the stories that so need investigating. So we're not going to see you know, reading the six o'clock news no. or anything anytime soon. No, well, what would not be your, your number soon. one goal to to do? You you know. Obviously, the political editor of the the Daily Telegraph is yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, I've done a lot of things in my career, you know, from magazines to television to newspapers. Um, I just love being a journalist. I think it's such a privilege to be in a position where you where you can ask um, the people running the country mm. the the hard questions. You can ask them anything you want, and they have to answer you. You know, they yeah. have to give you an answer. Yeah. And it's it's just such a privilege um, to be in that role and to have at your very heart the interests of the public and to, you know, go as hard as you, you can in pursuing that. You feel and like you're doing something good for the country. Yeah, well, you, well we are most of the time. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Is yeah. there anything that we should avoid? Any new services that we should we don't need that shouldn't exist, like, for example, the ABC? Uh, I, look, I think most of the news services have their place, mm. um, the credible ones. I think the online bloggers are very dangerous because they report, um, and look, I'm not going to name them, I barely even know their website names, but they mm. report things that are not true, that are not checked, and they don't care if it's defamatory, they just put it all up there, yeah. and that's that's extremely dangerous. Especially when a blogger's got like, you know, two million followers and, you know, they're, they're a part-time Instagram model, part-time blogger, and... And they're not oh, checking yeah. their facts, and they're putting stuff out because I mean, you guys have pretty strict rules as to what you can, what you can and can't say. And we're uh, members of the the press council as yeah. well, which means that if there's a problem with the story, someone mm. can make a complaint to the press council, and it goes through a very formal process. Yeah. But I didn't even mean those type of bloggers. I think no. you know, apart from some that fake are trying cancer to be... claims, obviously, yeah, it's been yeah, very yeah. dangerous. But I more meant yeah, the 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 news bloggers that mm. are publishing you know wild claims of you know political affairs but that's as fact. a lot of the time isn't it and it's just it's just false you know and there's been no effort they don't even care if it's true or not like you know it's, it's quite extraordinary just not having that commitment to the truth and to facts so uh, bill shorten recently uh was trying to change some of the laws about what you could and couldn't report on uh it's a story you wrote a few days ago now uh, well, he wasn't trying to change the laws. That was that was an, uh, that was a column I wrote, just um, showing how he can use some sort of well, int- intimidatory and bullying tactics to try and shut down reporting. That's just has like I, Vladimir Putin. I just felt it was my duty as a political journalist to to you know put this in the public domain so people kind of know how so he, he operates. You. 
Well, is that yes, why his, his office did, yeah. The opinion polls are saying he's not so popular anymore because he's a big <laughs> meanie to Shari. No? I don't know about that. But look, it's, it's tough for politicians because you write, you know, some confronting stories about them. I think Turnbull as Prime Minister has been pretty good at... Um, uh, he probably he doesn't like the criticism, of course, mm. but he has never tried to stop us publishing a story. Mm. You know, we, I recently wrote a, a big front page on how he has over a million dollars invested in this Bronte Capital Fund run out of, of Bondi Junction uh, by a mate of a family friend of his called John Hempton. And in the fund, he bets against a short selling um, mm. Australian retailers like Harvey Norman, for oh, example. Okay. And so, so Turnbull's personal finances are in effect... He, he's betting basically ex- saying that Australian retail is going to go crap, which it is anyway, everyone which, knows Which that. it is, but it, it's not good as a prime... And, and there's nothing yeah. illegal, and lots of people engage in short selling, but as the prime minister, to be seeking to make money off the failure of Australian retailers <laughs> is a really bad He's look. supposed to be looking after Australian retailers, so it's yeah. in his interests for them to fail, if that's yeah. the case. So we that's did, ridiculous. Uh, How'd uh, you find that out? Uh, well, I, f- I found it out. Took a little <laughs> we, bit of digging, a couple of yes, dinner, t- bit of dinner took, party took, chit-chat. Um, took oh, a really? little while. That's true. I might have to learn <laughs> You go undercover a lot? No, not a lot. But we did a big front page story with that. Now, what I was going to say is Turnbull would, would have hated that, but he doesn't pressure you not to run the story. Mm. Whereas you run you know, a critical story in short and, and he tries to get it shut down with kind of, yeah, quite bullying tactics. Yeah, so I, well think that, I mean, that's like what happens, you know, in Russia. You can't write a bad article, you know, otherwise you get fear of getting shot. Well, yeah, more journalists are murdered in Russia than anywhere else. So, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a, crazy. Journalists, not a safe country. To so operate. you never want to go over there and do any stories <laughs> anytime soon. No. Have you ever gone undercover and, and just sort of snuck in somewhere and not told them you're a reporter just to yeah, get the story? Yeah, I've done a couple of times, yeah. Yeah. Hidden microphone? Oh, really? No. Speaking <laughs> of this flower... <laughs> I did one at the universities um, in 2014. To uh, I was I was covering media round at the Australian, and I went into the media courses at Sydney University and at uh, University of Technology Sydney. So these were all the people go to learn journalism, exactly, yeah. and um, just um, re- you know recorded and took some of the lecture notes and recorded some of the lectures. So you wanted and, to hear what the lecturers were saying, if they're to the left, that. to the right, if what, what newspapers and magazines they bag, what yeah. they think's good, what they think, what do they say? What did you find and UTS out? was UTS was the worst, and it was extremely left leaning. Our headline said it was an indoctrination um, of young students, which really doesn't set them so up. So they were they were pushing them to not be level headed in their arguments, just to be completely left and yeah. promote safe places and all that freaky stuff well yeah well they didn't talk about that but yes which which isn't which isn't setting them up for um proper training for a career in the media because you do need to be objective so they they totally. universities got very uptight at that story but it was Ooh, it they? was good fun but i tell you what i thought which could have given me away hmm. is um because i kind of dressed down and kind of managed to get in there i didn't wear any makeup yeah but then when i turned up see when i was at uni we all took notebooks in yeah and i w- walked into the class and every single student had a laptop i was the only person with an with a notebook in front of me they were all sitting there on their laptops and they all had facebook you just looked up. like a poor student so i was just like oh why didn't i think that people would take a laptops to class these days but would you anyway. ever do anything like that again go undercover it, it's look if you're the, too known because you're on the project the, and yeah all these tv shows depends. if the story warranted i i kind of i don't know yeah it'd have to be an area where people didn't know who so, you were so you went into uts and saw that they were you know pushing a left agenda mm. um do you think that the, the left is becoming a little bit fascist and not listening to the right and and so we can't have balanced arguments so much yeah. because 
I feel like a lot of the things that I, I read and a lot of online reporters, especially when they go out on the street, they've set the bar so low for mm. calling people a fascist and calling people a racist. They, they can't say their opinion anymore. Yeah, I think both sides of the debate are very extreme and yeah. it's nauseating. There's too much ideology in journalism at the moment and it's it's been a problem because you have more journos, you know, uh, going on television and, and commentating. So you know, once upon a time, you wouldn't even know what a journalist's view is. Yeah. But now they give their opinions and, and, and on Twitter and they're on Twitter all the time. Mm. So just think there should be, yeah, that, that it can get quite vicious between the two sides. I mean, some of the most high profile people in our um, Australian media landscape just go at it on Twitter all day. You know, you have yeah, M. Alberici from the ABC and Chris Kenny from the Australian <laughs> and they just fight over Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty intense. I bagged someone on Twitter the other day. I can't even who, remember who? who it was. Ah. It was someone who wrote for The Australian and I just thought it was a pathetic story and you know, I've called him out on a couple of yeah. things. My blue tick went. I had a blue tick on Twitter and it's gone. Really? I think it's because I slagged someone at The Australian anyway. No. But I don't know. Pff, who cares? It's just a tick. That's just, bizarre. Yeah, so is. maybe they complain to you or a complaint to Twitter? Maybe he's got a Twitter? buddy at Twitter or something who, like that. You don't but know I don't who care. it is? I've, I've been doing some work for Facebook anyway and they gave me a blue tick on Instagram so that made me feel okay, more special. Okay, so now you're you're back. And Instagram's where most people are. I don't think most Aussies are on Twitter. No, no yeah, I know. Twitter, when it first took off uh, back in the, uh, the early 2000s, uh, I was working on Big Brother and... I, w- I had so many people follow me on late Twitter. 2000, but, late 2000, late 2000. Yeah, late, late yeah. 2000. It's like 2007 it? or 2008 yeah, something like or something. That. And yeah. uh, got a shitload of followers on there, but now yeah. they're just in, a lot of them are inactive. Yeah. So I'm, when I get on there, I think I'm speaking to 30,000 people because that's what the number says, but it turns yeah. out it's just my mom and a couple of my friends. Well, it's interesting that Big Brother's viewers then were getting on Twitter. I mean, they wouldn't, yeah. Be, yeah. They wouldn't be on Twitter now. Well, they now didn't have Instagram. Yeah. And Facebook was, you know... That's that sort of kicked in a, yeah. a few years earlier, mm. but uh, yeah, Facebook's a, a really interesting space and in what's going on there at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I mean, is is that something that's going to be around for a long time? Do you think? I mean, it's it seems to me that they're they're, they're trying to do uh, a little bit of television now. I've recently worked for them hosting uh, some shows at the Commonwealth Games because uh, the first time ever that they've sponsored. Are they getting event. into dating as well? Yeah, I saw they, Facebook's uh, trying to launch a dating app. Yeah, They're kind of like 10 years behind on that one. And though. like Twitch is, is doing really well for uh, sh- you know, kids playing video games. Yeah. It's massive. And so they've launched their own version of that. Yeah. Uh, are they just like they bought Instagram, they bought WhatsApp. Are they just trying to, you know, get bigger and bigger in any competition, just buy yeah. it up? Well, if you think about it, they would have, what, three quarters of the world's population yeah, it's on like Facebook. One and a half billion or something ridiculous. It's yeah. unbelievable. So if they can find, and fewer of the younger generation are using Facebook, mm. they're on Instagram. Yeah. So if they can find another successful, you know, platform or, or way to kind of get that that audience it would make sense but i think you know they have lost a lot of i don't know if you can talk about it if you're doing some work for them but they i'll be paid it's all right <laughs> yeah they've they've um taken a huge hit people are, are furious about the yeah. breaches of of privacy and, and now mm. we hear today in the news uh there's been a, a, a similar but different problem with google mm. um in australia yeah you know using our data to mm. follow us and to see where we are i mean i was that's talking just... to a guy from google the other day just yeah. that i met at a bar coincidentally and uh and i was asking him about that and he said well we provide a free service where people can google stuff and they can find out what they need to know so we need to monetize it and make money out of it and for them to have a free yeah. service we need to be able to do that yeah it's uh, look i think people won't won't i mean you say they won't put up with it but uh, People aren't closing, shutting down their Facebook accounts. So, 
Um, but people should be more aware of just how much of, of the data is being gathered. And, and it's, you know, we've always been concerned with government taking it. But mm. yeah, what are these social media companies doing with it and who are they selling it to? Should we be worried about China? Like, yeah. I'm worried about this big island that they built in the South China yes. Sea that they just put missiles on. I mean, the, yeah. the Chinese play a long-term game. They've just decided Mr. Ping, what's his name again? Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is... <laughs> Not that uh, my pronunciation's any good. <laughs> he, uh, you know, so he's the supreme leader forever now. Yeah. And I mean, in Australia, you know, we have four-year terms like in America and, and, you know, there's obviously going to be, you know, a governments in holding where, until, in a holding pattern until the next government yeah. takes over and run things, runs things. So the Chinese would see gaps in... In, uh, in it where they can just sort of take advantage of, of countries, and I worry about the long term plan when they've got they're building a military base just up the road from Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know the and the amount of um, intellectual property that they steal from the US and Australia and other countries, and just like there's an Apple store in China, there's a few of them where it's all Apple products, but it's not Apple. Oh really? Like, how do they get away with this yeah. shit? Yeah, you know? and that's that, there's a reason why their economy's going so well. Yeah, because they're ripping us off. Well, generally speaking, um, it's so it's a, a tricky line to walk for Australia with China because they're our biggest trading partner, and and so much of our economic success in the future, you know, is reliant on on that partnership. But at the same time, they pose, um, well, along with Russia, but they pose the biggest mm. threat uh, in terms of kind of our security yeah. as well. And it's it's yeah, infiltration of the political process. It's um, the you know the espionage. It's mm. Uh, the South China Sea, as you point out, the militarization of, of some of those islands and um, and over the long term, you know, I don't know whether it'll be 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but obviously over the long term, it's that power mm. dynamic with yeah. the United States and that's shifting enormously. Yeah. And the US is trying to encourage Australia to muscle up more to China and mm. to um, conduct freedom of navigation exercises through the South China Sea. Just to say, hey, bad luck, this is our area too. Yes. Just to sort of test Which it Which we've always said we would reserve our right to do that, but Australia hasn't actually gone it. within the 12 nautical miles yet. So um, there's pressure on the US to do that. Many people think that that might have been kind of a, a trade-off for, for Trump um, excluding us from those aluminium and steel right. uh, increases in tariffs. So people might have think we, we could have given it, government denies this, of course, mm. but we might have given them an indication that we would pre be prepared to conduct a freedom of navigation exercise. But mm. yeah, it's, it's very tricky, the relationship with China. We've obviously, uh, the Australian government has really pissed them off uh, yeah. re in the past year, really since um, the Prime Minister's comments around the Sam Dastiari scandal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like what the hell was that guy? Is he a spy or what? <laughs> is he a spy? No, he, look, he's not a spy, but he, he obviously... He's sticking up for Chinese interests he and was he's in the Australian parliament. To in, yeah, in to, to get um, money, to get yeah. donations to the Labour Party. He if, said... If he did that in another country, he'd be shot. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it was a, he's not a spy, but yes, they were taking huge <laughs> amounts of money for the Labour yeah. Party from, from Chinese... Uh, state-owned link companies mm. for a long period of time and, yeah. and in return yes he was saying and what china wanted him to say here. it they're, they're buying a lot like i think the kidman estate which is one of the biggest land lots in australia part of they, it was, they, yeah. they own a share part of, of that it, yeah so when when chinese i'm not really versed in chinese politics and how it works with china china buying land in australia but 
it, it, China is a communist country. If you've got a business in China and you take it overseas, doesn't the Chinese government own a share of it? So doesn't that mean if they buy land here, the Chinese own it? Yeah, the, the Chinese which, government. Exactly. Uh, so eventually Chinese government own a big percentage of Australia. They say, bad luck, we're coming in. Which is why um, there has been such a crackdown over recent yeah. years on uh, how much property, you know, Chinese are allowed to buy in Australia and mm. it, it goes to the Foreign Investment Review Board and so many people. I mean, they've been like Chinese have bought mega mansions in Sydney, paid, done the transaction, gone yeah. through with it. And then the say, they've had to um, renege on the deal uh, because the Foreign Investment Review Board's overturned the decision. You know, they're, they're finally, you know, a Chinese um, telecommunications company, Huawei, mm. wanted to buy uh, the poles and wires in New South Wales when we were privatizing our yeah. electricity. And um, at the 11th hour, yeah. the government stopped that from happening. Well, good. Have you then, read some of the shit about Huawei online? They, they, well, I haven't, but they then would have had access to our telecommunications. Well, they could it, it have conducted surveillance. recently where they, they said, you know, you, they can't be buying Huawei products because they think that the Chinese, this is a massive multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. The Chinese could have listening devices. Exactly, the in surveillance. The, in the mobile phones, in the Huawei dishwasher or in the yeah. Huawei camera, whatever you've yeah. got. So the last thing we would have, yeah, the last thing we would have wanted was for Huawei to own our, our you know telecommunication network. So th mm. that was blocked. But then, f going back further, um, they successfully bought the port of Darwin, which is where the U.S. troops are based. Right. So that's okay. and and you, America was understandably very concerned about that. Yeah, that would be totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of secret U.S. bases up that way. Yeah. Have you heard a lot about them? This is probably me going down the rabbit hole again. <laughs> and some of those random well, we... <laughs> US bases that we have in the Northern Territory. And um, I know that we've got, uh, you know, something, yeah. like an area that Midnight Oil always sing about that's got a, a nuclear target on it up in up in the Northern Territory, uh, Pine Gap. Yeah, Pine Gap. I, I the... think it is, like there's, there's a few stories online um, about people who've been, you know, driving through the desert in... Uh, you know, South Australia or the Northern Territory, and then all of a sudden there's American troops around there, and they're like, where the hell did these people come mm, from? Because mm. um, it's very important for the US because that's one of the only sites mm. um, in Australia where there's, and I don't know how, they, you know, what satellite technology they use, but there is visibility of, you know, what's going on in North yeah. Korea. So you could see if, if, a, if there's, you know, testing mm. of their ballistic missiles or... Maybe we'll end up getting more bases in Australia, especially if they're going to move troops out of South Korea yeah. and Japan. Maybe they'll they'll head over this yeah. way. Well, we've we've got that that base that seems to have become permanent um, mm. in in Darwin, but yeah, because um, a lot of U.S. troops have been based on Okinawa, mm. um, and there was talk that perhaps they were going to bring some of them to Australia, but the government says that there's no plans for that to happen. So mm. We'll see. Well, Shari Markson, thank you so much for being on the show. We've thank had a good you. old chat, haven't we? That was we? very wide-ranging, from oh, it, it Stormy was, Daniels to Chinese security. It, it was all over the shop. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there was stuff that I really wanted to know. And, and you know, you're an intelligent, amazing woman, and it was so great to be able to pick your brain on these things because you're living it. You're there in the front lines firing out those <laughs> words for the Daily Telegraph every day. As a political reporter, you do a brilliant job. And uh, Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me in here in your cool TV studio set. It, it's, it's so awesome. Sorry for telling everyone you're a cheer girl, but uh, I, I got that from fine. your mum who uh, <laughs> used to babysit me when I was a kid. And uh, were you really a cheer girl? I was. I was head cheerleader. Oh, head cheerleader. <clears throat> Okay, Just cool. for one year at Sydney University, well, a long team? time it... ago. They had a gridiron team. Well, oh, okay. they probably still do have a gridiron team, yeah. Okay. Do you still so, have the outfit, just out of curiosity? I think I've got the pom-pom somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if I've got the outfit. Got the photos. <laughs> well, congratulations on being an auntie recently as well. Thank you. Yeah, my 
sister and had a little baby in hello, New York. Ricky. <laughs> hey, Ricky. If you're, uh, if you're watching. Very cute. Um, Very thank you so much baby. for being on the show. And I uh, look Mikey. forward to uh, reading your next expose in the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> thank you so much. Sorry, Mark's in on the mic. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, YouTube. And if you want to just listen to the show rather than watch it, just go to Spotify and iTunes. And hey, You've watched to the very end of this show, this amazing woman. Maybe you want to just chip in and help us pay for the cameras, pay for the producers, pay for something. My rent, a little bit, would help too. Just go to patreon.com forward slash on the mic. Thank you for watching. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.